huge thank you to Hunt a Killer for helping me bring you all this week's podcast episode. If you're anything like me, your ideal Friday or Saturday night is spent at home on the couch in your pajamas, maybe drinking a little bit of wine or some hard seltzer with your family and your dogs. Because I would rather stay in than go out, I absolutely love Hunt a Killer. If you haven't heard of Hunt a Killer yet, it is a murder mystery game told over six boxes. In each box, you will get things like witness statements and autopsy reports, and using these clues, you can solve a murder by the time you get to the final box. At only $30 per box, Hunt a Killer is way less expensive than a night at the town or a night at the movie theater, and it's an affordable way to spend time with your family and relax at home. If you like my podcast or anything true crime related, you will absolutely love Hunt a Killer. And the best part is that with the link in my show notes, you will get 30% off your first box. Chewy is once again one of my partnerships for this podcast. Chewy is one of the longest partnerships I have on this podcast, and it's for a great reason. We started using Chewy when we got our first dog, Ranger, in college, which was like four years ago, because it helped us save so much money through their auto ship program. Now that we have two dogs, we go through way more food now, and the auto ship program takes remembering to buy them their food every month off my plate completely. All I did was set up the frequency I want their food to be delivered, and it comes every single month. If you would like to try out the auto ship program, you can save 30% on your first order using my link in the show notes. If you have a fur baby, I know you will love Chewy as much as I do. everyone. Welcome back to the Doe Identify podcast. If you are new here, my name is Haley and in this podcast we try to bring some light to unidentified victim cases. And today is a pretty different episode for, you know, my style of episodes. Usually it's just me or I'm doing an interview, but I actually cover two cases and one is of someone who has already been identified, but they were a Jane Doe at some point. And then I also cover someone who is a Jane Doe still, and we believe that they are connected. And I cover it with a woman named Kelly who runs the Who Are You Doe Facebook group and the Facebook page with the same name, as well as the Where Are You Doe Facebook group. I'm going to be linking the Facebook groups and the Facebook page in my show notes so that way you all can join as well. It would be so exciting if you all could be there and that way we can all talk about cases together. But whenever I saw Kelly, you know, posting in all of these pages and really taking the time out of her day and, you know, just like the amount of care that she has towards Jane and John Doe's, I totally had to have her on my podcast and I think she was such a great guest and I'm really excited for you all to hear this week's episode and hopefully we can one get um, the Cameron Parrish Jane Doe who's now Sally Ann Hines. I hope we can close her case and you know get someone convicted for that as well as finally identify the Harris County Jane Doe of 2018. So let's just go ahead and get into this episode. Hi Kelly, how are you today? I'm doing great, thank you. How about you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. I know that, you know, I've seen your posts and everything in the Facebook groups and I've always been like super amazed at like how much work you do for Jane and John does. And so I had to like ask you to like be on my podcast. Oh yeah, it's definitely an important cause and the more um, press we can bring to them, the better chance will be that their faces get in front of the right person and their stories get in front of the right person. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, sometimes, especially with the older cases, that's, that's kind of the key to, to figuring out who these uh, folks are. Yeah, I totally agree. So how did you get into Jane and John Doe cases? Well, you know, I think like a lot of us who are into, um, you know, kind of like true crime and stuff like that, we have a natural curiosity for like puzzles and like the analytical parts of our brain start going into overdrive, trying to solve puzzles and things like that. So um, and, you know, I do have a bachelor's degree in forensic criminology um, mm-hmm. and psychology. So, you know, that's kind of what my background is. Um, and Casey, the woman who I run, who are you do with, 
Um, she's a forensic genealogist, and we kind of connected through another large true crime group, um, and that's how we met. Um, and she started the group Who Are You Doe and added me as an admin um, about a year ago now, um, and I've really kind of just focused all my attention on onto their cases from there. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's amazing. You probably post on there like 10 times a day. I'm always like amazed (laughs) because I, so I joined your Facebook group because I was like really having a hard time finding smaller cases that like no one talks about. And I feel like those cases are like super important because the longer, as you know, the longer and longer a case goes on, like the less likely it is that they'll ever be identified or like the case will be solved. And so I tried to find like these smaller, more recent cases and I found a few from your group specifically. And so it's like so awesome that you do that. And I know like, you know, it just like takes someone to like find, you know, their loved one's face and your group is a great way to like share all that information. It's awesome. Yeah. And we have, um, so we have our private group where we kind of discuss the cases, discuss the details, um, share photos, um, share crime scene photos, share people who are missing that we think might be good matches, speculate about the stories. We have our private group where we have all this um, really great discussion happening about their cases. And then we also have our public page that has shareable links so that um, anybody can, like if you're from a certain area and you can share that person's face in your area, in the groups in your area, um, you know, because you know you can't share from private Facebook groups. So we created the page. So that we can really, um, like, and each one of our posts, each case, each unidentified person in our group has their own shareable posts um, on our page so that they all have, can be shared. Um, because we were running into that kind of issue that, you know, people were wanting to share their stories and they couldn't from our group. So we, we do have a page where we have shareable links for everybody, too. Yeah, and that's amazing. And I, um, just so my listeners know who's listening to this, um, I will definitely go ahead and link both like of the groups and the pages down below because I just think that everything that you all do and like other pages are just like so essential to the Jane and John Doe community. Even just like talking about it and bringing light that there are these cases because I feel like no one, it's really unheard of to just like, I don't know, like you'd never like picture that you or someone you know could be a Jane or John Doe. And it just sounds like so like crazy that you could just like, you know, pass away and no one would ever notice. Um, Or they might notice and just like not find you. And so I just love that you guys bring so much exposure. So do you have one group and one page or do you contribute to other groups and other pages? We do. Who Are You Doe has the, we have our private group and the public page. Um, that's really our main, the main one that I focus on. Um, I don't admin any other, uh, crime pages. Mm-hmm. Um, I do admin an office, the office, uh, super fan group. <laughs> um, it's called the office trivia and discussion group. So I do have oh like a gosh. fun group that I kind of, um, you know, can, can interact with mm-hmm. people in. And then I have this more, much more serious one where, um, you know, we really focus on, on this kind of stuff, but yeah, that's, that's the only page that, um, that we focus on with the does. Awesome. Um, we have a TikTok too. We, oh, you um, do? How we do fun. Have a, yeah, we have a, a TikTok, um, for who are you do? And then I just started doing TikToks, um, you know, sharing like, like more in depth details about the cases and like, mm-hmm. you know, with their sketches and everything like that. So yeah, uh, we do, we, we do have that branch of social media too. That's amazing. So we are covering the Cameron Parish Jane Doe, who has been identified as Sally Ann Hines, um, and then also the Harris County Jane Doe of 2018. So how did you find these two cases and what got you so interested in them? Um, So the FBI actually has a lot of public resources available for cases. Um, They have a program called VICAP. It's Violent criminal apprehension program mm-hmm. um, and you can go on if you just like google fbi vicap it'll take you right to their website um, and you can um, read about their flyers information about um, all unidentified persons that they suspect may be victims of violent crime um, and there are also you can look up missing persons in vicap as well um, so you know browsing these cases um, i came across the cameron parish one um and then researching her, which we know now is Sally, um, you find out that there's actually another case 
with very similar circumstances in Texas that's also connected to mm-hmm. the Cameron Parish Jane Doe. So yeah. that's kind of how I found um, Sally and then subsequently found um, Harris County Jane Doe. Yeah, and then for my listeners, um, Sally Ann Hines is the name of a woman who was once a Jane Doe, and she was 58 years old, and she went missing from San Antonio, Texas on December 14th, 2017. And then I read that it was her husband who reported her missing and that he just, like, woke up and she was gone. Did you read that too? Yes, that um, her husband is the one who reported her missing, um, and she had left, you know, her medications and stuff like that behind. Yeah, and I read, like, she left her car and everything. That's, like, so crazy. Like, she left her car, her purse, her medication, and, and, like, her phone and everything. That's how – I don't even understand how that happens, but I hope they, like, get some leads on that because I would hope that that means someone she knew picked her up um, or something. But Or she she left thinking she wouldn't be gone long and mm-hmm. something happened. Um, you know, and that's, that's, that's part of, um, why these things are such a mystery and so important for like the public to get involved in because, um, we just don't know. There are so many unanswered questions and, um, you know, someone on, in her neighborhood may have seen her walking down the street and not thought anything of it and doesn't remember. I wonder if like maybe she was abducted, like checking the mail or something. Um, it's very possible. Yeah. It's so crazy. But so Eventually, what had happened after she went missing was her head was discovered in a plastic bag in the Sabine or Sabine. I'm like horrible with pronouncing anything, but that National Wildlife Refuge in Cameron Parish, Louisiana. I'm sure people who are familiar with the area know what I'm talking about, what I'm referring to. And she was discovered in March of 2018, tragically. Um, And for some background, Cameron Parish is along the border of Louisiana and Texas. And at the time, they just knew that she was a female with medium length hair and no other remains were located other than her decapitated head, which is so terrifying. And there was no trauma to her head at all. Um, So they (sighs) aren't sure how she eventually died, um, you know, before she was dismembered or if she was dismembered or just beheaded um, because there was no trauma to her head or her skull. Mm -hmm. That is so serial killer sounding to me like I don't know how you can even like obviously I don't think murder is like a you know normal thing to do like period but to just decapitate someone like to me that just like sounds like you were a serial killer or something it's just like insane to me and then three weeks later in Texas another very similar situation happens and they're kind of like hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> I know. Yeah. That's why I don't know. I kind of have like a theory that it's a serial killer. Yeah. As you said, like there was no trauma or anything. And then four months later, um, after Sally went missing, her head was found. And luckily she just got identified. I think it was like last week. She was actually identified by a person like me or like you who um, researches, has an interest in identifying people and submitted Mm -hmm. a tip. They found Sally's Charlie Project page um, and submitted a tip and they matched her using dental records. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Okay. So it really does make a difference when people do, do, you know, research and try to um, help with this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Especially if like investigators, you know, are super busy. Like for example, with Harris County, I'm sure like the investigators there just like literally don't have time for this because they are just like all of Houston. But um, let's let's go ahead and kind of like transition into the Harris County Jane Doe case. And that way, you know, listeners can kind of see like what we're referring to of how similar they are because it's just insane. So before I kind of explain, I wanted to note that there are over a dozen Harris County Jane Does. And that's one of the reasons why I say like they probably just don't have time because Harris County has over 4.7 million people in it which is just absolutely massive and that it like there's other counties all around it 
Um, and it just like embodies most of Houston. And so it's this massive county. There's in some areas a lot of crime. And in some areas it's just like really quiet suburbia. Um, and this Jane Doe that we're covering is specifically the 2018 one. And there is no other 2018 Jane Doe. I don't know how to word this, but most of them are from like the late 60s to you know, mid 80s. So I mean, thankfully, the population of Jane Do- Jane and John Doe's is going down in Harris County, but there's still a lot more, which I would love to cover one day. That would be awesome. We uh, do have a few of the older Jane Doe's from Harris County featured in, in Who Are You Doe? Um, yes. So just like Sally Ann Hines, this woman's head was also found in a plastic bag near Lake Houston in March of 2018. And um, the image that I use in my episode art will be the image of this Jane Doe since Sally has already been identified. But we do want to bring some light to her case since it is unsolved. And the difficult thing about the Harris County Jane Doe of 2018 case is that we don't know much about this woman because of the level of decomposition. They really had really similar demographics. Like they were both women of similar age groups. She had very dark brown hair. Her hair was like almost black at the roots. Did you see those pictures, Kelly? Yes. um, So they have a swatch of her hair available um, in NamUs. Um, for, you know, people to to view for ID purposes. Mm -hmm. Um, It looks like like she had an ombre-style hair where the roots were dark and then it kind of transitions to a lighter color at the end. Yeah, definitely. And the description was reddish-brown, but to me it almost looked like a strawberry blonde. Like it looked like she had like really bleached her hair and it took like a lot of time. Do you kind of agree with that? I do. I do agree that it, it looks more like, yeah, like you said, like she lightened her hair or it's like a caramel kind of caramel mm-hmm. color. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I would say it's more that than like Auburn. Um, I, when I was researching the case, I, I do feel like the Auburn came from the initial discovery of the head. Mm-hmm. The witness, um, the witnesses, and when the police first kind of like examined it, they thought it was, they called it Auburn, um, which may have had to do with, you know, they're looking at it in a bag um, yeah. and not in the light or under light um, and not too closely. Um, that's really for like the medical examiner and the coroner to do. Um, so I think that's where the initial report of like that it was Auburn, but if you go and look at the pictures, it does look like it's very dark, um, dark at the top or, or at, at the very least, uh, like a brown color. Um, and then yeah, look, transitions to a lighter color towards the end, like an ombre style that, that was popular, um, in like 2018. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think what's super important is like, just to know that, you know, she had lighter hair at like the tips and maybe it had like grown out or something, or like you said, it was like. Auburn and so I guess you know it's just kind of important to know that like she had a natural hair color and then she had a hair color that she lightened it to just for like identification purposes I always try to like focus on that because I know a lot of people get confused between like hair dye and stuff or they'll like submit tips of like a completely different hair color but something that would also help her get identified is that she had rotated or winged teeth just kind of meaning that they're like a little bit crooked and we also don't know how long she could have been dead for and we also don't know her eye color but investigators assume that they would be darker brown I'm not sure why they assume that um I read somewhere that she looked Hispanic. Do you remember reading that as well? Yeah, they said that she is, you know, either Caucasian, white, or Hispanic. Um, so, I mean, there. I think it's really a way to, like, not limit um, people submitting tips based on, you know, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So I think they really try to keep it as open as possible um, mm-hmm. to keep options open for missing people. Yeah, it's so important. And something that's kind of unfortunate is that her age range is super wide. It's 20 to 45. So, I mean, they assume that she was an adult, um, and especially because she did have tattooed eyebrows and uh, tattoo eyeliner, which is like permanent makeup. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, assume that she was over the age of 18. And I would probably agree with that because you have to be 18 in Texas to get any type of tattoo, but that's something that's so important that could really help identify her. The other way that they probably have come to that um, age range is through her dental work. Um, Now, I know we talked about how how her teeth were, like, situated in her mouth. She had, like, rotated or winged teeth, um, 
But also it said that it was well-maintained, that she had well-maintained teeth. So she was seeing Dennis. She was going to the doctor. Um, she was taking care of her, her teeth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's another way that um, they can kind of estimate, that coroners can kind of estimate how old a person is just based on their dentistry, um, what teeth are, what teeth they have, if their wisdom teeth have erupted, um, wear patterns on their teeth. Those are all things that they can say, well, you know, she's probably not, not under, not a child. She's probably not an adolescent. Mm-hmm. Um, she's probably between this age range. Um, yeah. You no, know, without, without any other features, that's, that's a, a, probably a way that they came to that age range. Yeah. And I mean, that's awesome that they were able to like determine that she was an adult because that does, you know, kind of narrow it down a little bit. Just like Sally and Hines, we don't know the cause of death for this woman and she didn't have like any, you know, marks or anything like that on her face um, and her other limbs were not recovered as well, which literally just like makes me so sick to my stomach. So do you know why a lot of people believe their cases are connected? Is it just because like the proximity and because they're so similar or is there like any evidence that you know of that could connect the two? Like are the trash bags the same or do you know? Um, well, I read that um, the Harris County Jane Doe was found in a black plastic trash bag and um, the Cameron Paris Jane Doe or Sally Hines, she was found in like a grocery shopping bag. Um, so, so the similarity is that they both were in plastic bags, but I don't believe it was the same type of bag. Okay. Um, the other, another thing is that they're very close in, um, in time frames. Um, Sally was found on March 1st and Harris County Jane Doe was found on March 24th. So just a few weeks later, um, with the same kind of level of, of decomposition, um, it, you know, both found in advanced states, um, you know, the time frame is kind of similar. Mm-hmm. Um, they were both found in lakes near highways. Mm-hmm. So this is, this could be a situation where the person is driving and kind of just stops and dumps and goes on their way. Um, yeah. They're both found near, um, you know, like large bodies of water, um, near busy overpasses. Um, and, and, it, and they both appeared as though they had been thrown from, from the overpasses onto the the ground below um because they landed on like embankments of the river they didn't you know like they weren't like planted there or thrown into the water they it looked like they had just been thrown off and hoped that they landed in the water that somebody wouldn't find them um of course another similarity is that no other remains were found for either woman yeah um and as as we talked about the victimology is the same um you know both late 20s to early 40s um both with shoulder length dark auburn hair both with well-maintained teeth Mm -hmm. um similar um you know situations um and this kind of brings up um something that we'll probably get into a little bit later but um something that when i found out um who sally was and where she was from the, the person that um, I actually submitted a tip for Harris County, um, this, that woman is also missing from San Antonio. Um, so that was just kind of another piece to the puzzle that I've, I've kind of put together. Um, so in my head, that's a connection, but that's just my, my own speculation about, about what might be happening. Um, so that, that's another connection. But again, that's not like an official one. That's just what my own, my own theory is. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I will be absolutely shocked if they're, and I'll be horrified if they're not connected because that means that there's like mm-hmm. two incredibly sick human beings out there doing this to young women. Um, or just what, like anyone in general. It's just like so scary yeah. to me. Another similarity is that, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the crime, but more the discovery. They were both discovered by volunteer cleanup crews. Um, oh, that's so, so Harris County Jane Doe was found by a mother-daughter team that was like part of a volunteer cleanup in the area. And then um, Cameron Parish uh, Sally was found by like an inmate volunteer cleanup crew um, in, in Hackberry, Louisiana. So um, they both were kind of discovered in the same way, which yeah. I thought was, was kind of kind of bizarre. Um, and then Cameron Parish, if you, if you, so, so now that we know that Sally's from San Antonio, if you look at where San Antonio, San Antonio is located and you look at where, um, Huffman, Texas was located. And then you look at where Hackberry, Louisiana is located. It's almost a straight 
line. Um, mm. It's almost a straight drive from one to the other. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I can imagine a scenario where if this is the same person who's committing these crimes, they're, they have an easy couple-hour drive into Louisiana, and they can hop right back and turn around back to Texas if that's where, you know, they happen to be living at the time. Yeah, yeah, and I was looking, because I know you posted some screenshots in your Facebook group in the comments, yeah. um, and I was looking at that, and I was like, oh my gosh, these have to be connected. It just, like, doesn't make sense if they're not connected, or yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, so scary. I was reading, too, about, now, and I haven't, personally, I haven't researched into this other than, like, kind of this, this little comment that I read on um, Sally's identification post on the Grateful Doe um, subreddit. Yeah. Um, someone, we were talking about the, you know, Stanit, the um, Sally's case and Harris County case. And then someone else brought up that Barstow Jane Doe, who was found in 2010 in California, also had similar circumstances where, you know, her head was located. Mm-hmm. Um, so I that's something that's on my list to kind of get to know a little bit more about and see if there's any kind of connection um, 2010 to 2018 isn't too long of a range to be out of commission. So, um, I don't know, that might be an interesting thing to, to look into a little further to see if there's any other cases that match this, uh, MO. Yeah, definitely. And I know that the Houston police department may have a lead. I'm sure you read about it too, but they're looking for a male who's between five, four and five, eight with lighter skin. I'm, I assume that means like white or Hispanic because he was found in the area or he was seen in the area about two weeks before the Jane Doe's head was found. And he was throwing a trash bag over the bridge. And that is pretty promising to me because, you know, she was like heavily decomposed and that's like quite a bit of time for, to be like a body to be like sitting in a trash bag and especially in water. So that's, yes. In an embankment in the sun. I know. Ugh. It's like. Well, and the, you know, the black trash bags, that's that are generate more heat, you know. Yeah, definitely. So that that would definitely speed up decomp rates. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I know. Yeah, yeah. And then this was like when it's like starting to get hot in Texas too. It's like March. It can be like up to like 90 degrees in Texas. It's crazy. Um, But yeah, so that sounds really promising to me. But we do know that he was wearing a gray and black shirt and he was driving a teal or bluish green Chevy Silverado truck. Um, I don't know. It would be crazy if like if we ever find out who this man was and if he was connected to other murders. Yeah, it at least means that he has access to a vehicle um, that he could use for an extended period of time to drive from one state to, a, to across the border into another state and then back mm-hmm. again. Um, so it at least means that that he has access to that kind of, um, you know, to, to a vehicle like that. Um, you know, and, and nowadays, like people um, who commit these kind of crimes, I mean, they have access to so much information. So he might know now to um, sell the car. Uh, paint the car, fix it up because it was very beat up. It had, oh, so the other thing that's very interesting is that the witnesses reported that that truck had a broken out window, mm-hmm. that the passenger side was broken out, um, the rear passenger. So did he abduct this woman? Did she did she try to escape? Did she break the window and he had this cardboard over the car? Um, you know, so, so these are things that kind of like, if you're thinking about an investigation like that, that would make sense that this person might be connected. Yeah, yeah, I definitely hope that they're looking into that um, or maybe, like, looking at, like, repair stores in, like, the Houston area or something mm-hmm. and seeing if this particular truck was, like, repaired or sold or something because I'm sure that would definitely help aid in the investigation and find out what he was throwing over because I just, like, under what circumstance do you throw over a trash bag over a bridge like, very unless sus. you're doing something sketchy, <laughs> you know? Yep, very sus. And then a couple late weeks later, you know, a body is found. Yep. So, I know that you think, like, a particular missing woman who's in NamUs could be the Harris County Jane Doe. Um, are there any, like, similarities or something that you would like to, like, bring up that makes you believe it could be her? Oh, yes. Um, so I, and I want to start by saying I, I did submit this tip. It was actually one of the members in our group, um, who first posted her. Um, and I was kind of like, Hmm, that's very interesting. Um, and the more that I researched this woman and, um, you know, 
the more I kind of realized, like, wow, this is a really, this is something that should be brought to the attention um, of, of the investigators because it's, it's a really, really close match to the sketch. And, um, you know, the circumstances of the disappearance are, are um, kind of make sense on the timeline. Um, so the missing woman, um, she was missing from San Antonio, um, which now we know is the same city that Sally went missing from. Um, she went missing on March 1st, 2018, which is the day that Sally's head was found in Louisiana. Um, so I don't, you know, and when you're talking about like murderers, um, they do have triggers. Was that, was her head being discovered on that day a trigger, um, for him to abduct another woman? Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's something also that, um, I find really interesting. Um, so she's in the same age range, the, the estimated age range. She was 39 years old. Um, of course we, you know, we can't estimate her height or weight at all or her body shape or anything like that. Um, she did have a tattoo on her wrist, but again, that's not something that would be exclusionary because we don't, we don't know if, um, Jane Doe had a tattoo on her wrist. Um, she had been living with a man, um, who had been arrested for aggravated kidnapping. Um, so, you know. This is a missing woman who was living with a, a man who is dangerous. Um, she also had shoulder-length dark hair. And if you, so this is a person who, uh, there's a lot of photos available for her mm-hmm. um, in, in her missing reports. So she also had shoulder-length dark hair that was dark at the top and light at the bottom. Mm-hmm. Um, so it really, and if you line up the photos of this missing person and the, the swatch of hair we had been talking about that's available um, for the Jane Doe, it's this. Um, you can almost match it up and line it up exactly with the photo. Um, oh my gosh! She also, yeah, it's 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 the kind of thing where you look at it and you like get chills, thinking like, oh my gosh, like this really makes a lot of sense. Um, she also appears in the photos of her where you can her smile is visible, that her teeth are tilted in towards the center. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we don't know specifically. Now that could be exclusionary. Um, but because we don't know exactly all we have is the artist sketch. So we don't know the orientation of Jane Doe's teeth. We don't know if they're, if it's a really severe rotation or if it's kind of a mild one. Um, but if you look at this woman's, the missing woman's photos of her smiling, um, you can definitely tell that her teeth are kind of um, tilted towards the center line of her jaw. Yeah. Oh my um, goodness. She also appears to have tattooed eyeliner. Um, so these are, you know, and, and if you kind of like, again, the, you know, doing comparisons, if you line up the photos side by side, um, it is extremely similar to it. Like that part in her hair is similar. The length of her hair is similar. The, um, the, the definition in her neck is similar. Um, the, the smile lines on her face are, are similar. So, I mean, there's just so many, um, too much to be a coincidence too much similarity to be a coincidence yeah definitely Um, and I did I did submit um submit that tip to investigators to NamUs um both in Houston for the Jane Doe and Antonio for the missing person um so you know if I really believe that something's a really good tip then I'll I'll do that I'll I'll kind of send the information to every agency that's investigating um so nothing kind of gets lost um Harris the Harris County Institute of Forensic Sciences, I also, they're the ones that are um, doing the anthropology for the Jane Doe and, like, did the sketch. Um, so I did also send it to her, case, her the people working her case there. Yeah. Um, just so kind of nothing gets dropped and nothing gets lost. Yeah, that's, like, amazing that, you know, you just, like, really did your due diligence and sent it everywhere. So something that I, in my followers probably like get so sick and tired of me like harping on this so much, but I'm sure you are someone who can relate. I have noticed that in your Facebook group that I, huge compliments to you and the other admins because there is no like, I don't know, like fake, like just like kind of ridiculous matches going on. Like, I don't know if you all just have like a really great group of people um, or if I'm just we like, do. we we love our people in our group so much. We have some people that contribute like really regularly and, um, mm-hmm. we just love them so much. Yeah. And I mean, everyone is like really great at like critical thinking and just like, and kind of like, um, I know you were just telling me that, you know, you go into it and you look at like, okay, 
why couldn't this be her? And then I'll look at like why this could be them, you know, and that's what I do. And I feel like that's like what good detective work is, you know, is like you're kind of going into it and being like, okay, you know, like why wouldn't it be this person? Because then you're not just like trying to prove something and trying yeah. to add up all the things that like make your case better, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, and you know, that's part of like being a good investigator, being a good researcher, detective, whatever we want to call ourselves, you know. Yeah. Um, you you can't get tunnel vision and get really focused on, you know, I found this person, I think it looks like the sketch, and that's what you know, that's what I'm gonna um focus on. Um Yes, being similarities to the sketch is very important, but um, we also have to be looking at things that would rule them out as well as ruling them in. Um, you know, and because I think about it, because I do interact with agencies a lot, um, mm-hmm. I mean, they're getting dozens, hundreds, thousands of tips about people every day. Um, so what Casey and I really try to do is kind of um, like filter those. Um, and we send ones that either we feel are very, very possible or that we feel, you know, there's just not enough information to say it's not her or not him and or not them. And if there's um, so little information, um, let's send it in and they can kind of investigate and say for sure. Right. Um, you know, because we, we can't say whether or not things match up enough or don't match up enough to rule them in or out. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are really the cases that we really try to submit. Um, and, you know, in some people, some dose, there's just so little information available that we really don't want to be exclusionary, um, overly exclusionary. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's really important to us that, and, and we do, like it seems overwhelming, but we really do um, take the time every single match that somebody puts in our group for someone, we really do look into it. Um I, I look at every piece of information available. So yeah. sometimes, like, if you look in NamUs, there'll be very, um, like, bare-bones information. Um, such and such went missing from her home on this day and time. Um, and then if you look, like, in Charlie Project or if you look on the Doe Network, um, there might be a, a ton more information. If you look at, like, the state missing websites or the, the state or county unidentified websites, there might be a lot more information for you to kind of gather Mm -hmm. um and if it's a newer case sometimes we look on social media and be like "Hmm, let me you know there's photos of this person oh look they they have tattoos covering their arms but the jane doe didn't have any tattoos so okay like yeah her name is says this but we can look on her on her social media and see that you know it it really isn't a match um you know and and there's a lot and and there is a lot of gray areas so so we also try really hard not to be discouraging because we want people to send us that information we want people to post their matches we want people to talk about their thoughts um because you never know what's what fresh eyes are going to bring um mm-hmm. so while we do try to encourage people to um you know talk about the cases talk about the missing people submit their matches um you know, we, we say up front, too, that we, we do not submit every single tip that comes into us. We don't submit um, everything that comes. We want to have um, a good rapport with agencies. Um, you know, we do a lot of research on the missing people ourselves before we will ever say, like, no, no, we can't. We're not going to do it. Um, so please know that if you do put someone on our, on our group as a um, possibility that we are looking into it. Um, we don't just decide, eh, yes or no, you know, that day we, we do take the time and research everything before, um, you know, we'll say we're, we're not going to submit it. Um, or, you know, if we do submit it. So, so we really do, we really do care about every single person that's posted up there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's so amazing that, you know, you guys do like take your time and look into it. So, and I mean, we kind of already touched on this, but would you say for someone who's, interested in looking comparing to NamUs versus like DNA Joe Project or you know unidentified wikia is there a tip that you have for you know like actually making sure that someone could be a match and like not wasting investigators times and just submitting a completely useless tip like do you have a do you have any advice for people and like what to look for um, my biggest piece of advice would be to um, keep your mind open. Mm-hmm. Um, so you might you might have a feeling, you might think that it's a, it's a really good match, but don't get like too hung up on the sketches or anything like that. Forensic art is a really um, is a really amazing um, way to get these sketches out, but you know sometimes it's just it's not 
it's not, it, it can't be the only thing that we rely on when we're looking at matches. So um, my tip, my tips that I tell people, and we have, we actually have a file in our group where we have like tips for um, where to start and stuff like that. Um, but so start, start looking at the stats first. Mm-hmm. And then kind of look at the sketch. Um, and in, in NamUs, you can search by specific features. You can search um, by, like, age range. You can search by hair color. You can search by eye color. Um, you can search by tattoos, by distinctive features, by what they were last wearing. Um, so you can really kind of customize it in, when you're mm-hmm. looking in NamUs. Um, so I would say don't leave anything in or out until you find something that might look good and then look into it more. Um, get all the information that you can about those about the missing person and the unidentified person, and start comparing. Um, are there moles? Are there scars? Are there um, tattoos? Are there um, you know medical procedures that were obviously done? Is there dental work that you can look at? If you're if you're looking at a case and um, you know the missing person has missing teeth and your Jane Doe or John Doe doesn't has a perfect set of teeth, you know, you can probably say it's probably not them. Right. You know what I mean? Um, but you know, then if there's, if the, if the person's skeletal, if they're missing parts, then that's where you can, where you kind of use your judgment and say, mm, mm-hmm. you know, we can't really use that. So I, you know, I would just say, start comparing the stats, um, you know, things like distance, things like hair color, things like clothing size, like stuff like that's relative. So, um, you know, if it's sometimes people wear clothes that are too big for them. So if you're like, oh, well, you know, they're wearing a size large shirt, but this person's really thin, so it can't be them. Like, that's not something that you should use to exclude. Or, you know, uh, well, this person went missing from California and this other person was found in Pennsylvania. People can get to California to PA in a day. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, as long as the PMI allows for it, like, keep your mind open, but you know, to a certain extent that that makes sense in in the timeline and in the demographic. Yeah, a question that I have, again, just like for my own self-serving purposes. So I normally look on NamUs, um, Unidentified Wikia. I look at sometimes Wikipedia for like bigger cases. And I look at the sources where the information's from because I know like everyone can edit Wikipedia. Um, And then I'll look at like police reports and everything from like the local office. I look at like Charlie Project, um, DNA Doe Project. Um, What other sources do you recommend um if you have access to like newspapers.com um where you can look up like old newspaper articles um the police departments are a great um resource to get information like go to those investigating agencies websites and see if they have files available to the public um i talked a little bit about the fbi's vicap um program in the beginning that's like public information available for missing persons and unidentified persons that the fbi is working on um, so that's another great resource. Um, Charlie Project is another one, but that's that's just for missing persons. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Doe Network has. Um, oh, and the thing too is NamUs is purely um, a U.S. based yes. database. Um, you know, and sometimes, as we know, um, you know, people from other countries may end up, you know, mm-hmm. being here. Um, you know, and then also each country has their own. Um, if you're looking at international cases, each country has their own. Um, d- databases usually where you can go and look mm-hmm. up people, um, you know, that in those in those areas, um, you know. And we just had, um, oh, what was her name? Kern County. Kern County. Yes, you, yes, you read my mind. <laughs> Kern County, um, where she, you know she was found in the U.S. in California, but she was a member. She was First Nations from Canada. So, um, yeah. you know, without genealogy, we may never have for ge- uh, genealogy um, purposes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's so um, it's so much more involved than like just uploading a DNA sample to the databases. Um, especially, you know, I wanted to talk about this when we were talking about things that um, you know kind of impact investigations and may um, you know people think is really easy, but it's really not as simple as just uploading it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, like sometimes like they can't even find the remains for DNA samples to be taken. Um, sometimes they've been cremated 20 years ago, yes. um, and we can't get a DNA sample. Um, so, it, like, you know, there's, and, and when they do find it, they have to be, DNA has to be extracted from the remains. 
DNA has to be sequenced um, from from the sample to make sure that it's viable and usable for the purposes of genealogy. Um, you know, so there's so much that goes into it, um, more than just like, you know, uploading the sample. Um, there are actual people that spend their, their time and effort and, um, you know, devote themselves to, to researching and identifying and finding, finding matches and finding people. Um, you know, and that's, that's a huge, huge, I mean, it's, just, I mean, you can tell in, in just in like the news reports, it's like almost every day somebody's being identified and it's just amazing. Um, so people do put a lot of time and effort and, and resources into um, genealogy and working it. And I mean, sometimes it takes months. Yeah, that is like all yeah. so important. It's a great um, thing to bring up because I think a lot of people, I don't know. I feel like people still think that DNA is kind of like we're in CSI. They just like type in a few little digits and it just like pops up a match and they just like have everyone under the sun and they can just like make a match. And it's just like not how it works anymore. And it takes so much funding. Um, And unfortunately, Jane and John Doe cases sometimes go on the back burner, especially like older cases. And so sometimes they don't want to fund, you know, DNA um, cause there is no one fighting for these people. Um, and so, yeah, it's like a great point that you brought up for sure. Yeah. It's, it's, that's one of the things that frustrates me when I see cases go up and, you know, people are like, Oh, just do the DNA. But you know, we, we need people like even, and even in cases where there is genealogy being done, like if someone submits a good match, I never will say like, Oh, they're doing genealogy. I'm not going to submit that. Um, mm-hmm. you know, even if, if the case is being actively worked on and we know that, like that we like it might take another six months but if I have this person here and it's a good tip I'm gonna send it in because it could happen that much more quickly um you know like Sally like she was identified by a member of the public who Mm -hmm. just had a keen eye for researching um missing and identified people so um you know that that kind of frustrates me when I see that because it's like kind of like oh well don't even bother just Yeah, and I mean, a lot of, like, Jane and John Doe's were homeless, too, and, you know, they might not even have any family around, um, and so it's like, well, how do you test the, a missing person's DNA against a Jane or John Doe if they don't have any, like, you know, close relatives? Um, right. And so that can be super complicated, too. Um, but, yeah, like, great point. You know, like, don't just, like, yell at investigators to test DNA because um, <laughs> it's just, like, way harder than it seems. I, w- I will say there's – so there's isotope testing, too. Like, a lot of times there's um, – they test the, the isotopes in remains and kind of say, well, they're likely from this area. Like, when you're looking at matches and, and comparing, like, I wouldn't take that as, like, to rule in or out because – they thought Beth Doe was European, and it turns out she just, like, had a European diet, um, and she was from New Jersey. So, wow. mm-hmm. you know, so things like that, um, you know, I wouldn't use that as exclusionary either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just, it's so interesting, and I love talking to people who, like, are passionate about this type of stuff, because everything is just, like, so interesting. important to talk about it, and it's, it's so important that people get the messages out there um, because, I mean, that's really just, um, I mean, 40, 50, 60 years people sit and with, with no, no name and no justice. Um, and, you know, us, us being this, this community of people that, that are interested in this kind of research, um, you know, we us bringing this to the forefront um, of social media is like a really important thing because, everybody's on social media something not everybody watches the news anymore but everybody is on social some form of social media Mm -hmm. typically um you know reaching our communities reaching areas where the person may be from where the person was found um i mean those it's just so crucial for for people to talk about it and get it out there um i mean i can think of uh Vance Rodriguez. I mean, it, it took it took 
years of putting his face in all of the Louisiana communities for one person to say, oh, wait a minute, I think that's him. Yeah. It doesn't really look like him when I knew him, but I think that might be him. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really what kind of blew the case open. So, I mean, it's just, it really takes takes everybody to kind of caring about this kind of thing. well, perfect. Thank you um, so much. And um, I will have all of Kelly's Facebook groups and pages linked down below where she is an admin because I am not just saying this because I'm biased or anything, but they are truly like the best uh, groups that I have ever been in um, because there's not just like false information or rumors or just like things that like absolutely make no sense. I feel like everyone in the group is very like much a critical thinker and like pays attention to dates and everything like that where they just like make a lot of sense um and I've never been like frustrated with like the people in your group where I'm like okay come on and we'll be the we'll be the first ones to say too if something doesn't make sense we'll be like yeah that doesn't make any sense let's fix it (laughs) yeah yeah definitely and that means like so much to me from like someone who has to do research because I do get super excited I'm like oh my gosh, this does look like her. And then I read, I'm like, okay, well, she like went missing six Mm -hmm. years after the body was found. All right, Kelly, thank you so much for meeting with us. I will link all of your Facebook groups in my show notes. Um, And uh, just thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to talk about Jane and John Doe's with me. It's like been so fun. Absolutely. And, you know, I do want to offer like anybody that has any questions, whether you're in our group or not, um, you can always contact us, um, message our page. Um, if you have any questions, if you don't know how to get started, if you're interested, if you think you have a tip, um, you know, we're here, we're available. So, um, you know, just get in touch with us if you need anything, if you have questions. Um, we also have a thread in our group where you can ask questions and have members mm-hmm. help you out. Um, and they're great and very experienced too. They do this as much as we do. So, um, you know, if you have any questions or need anything, um, you know, we're here for you, for your information, for your help and um, whatever else you might need to kind of get started or jump in. Yeah, for sure. And something that I want to recommend to everyone, first off, join the groups. But then if you are one of those people who you know, want to kind of get involved, like maybe looking at NamUs versus like DNA Doe Project or whatever, um, and try to make some connections. If you're brand new to it and you're just like not 100% comfortable contacting police departments or if you're not like 100% certain of like your abilities to match people, I would go ahead and post it in the group or message one of the admins because they could totally help you. And as you can tell, Kelly is like so experienced with all of this and um, I totally like trust her opinion and everything and so um that's something that I would want to encourage too oh thank you so much yeah of course all right everyone thank you so much for listening to this pretty unique episode with Kelly and also covering an identified case and also an unidentified case I hope all of you liked it and I hope that it was perfectly organized so that way there is no confusion between the two cases or anything like that if you have any questions or feedback or if you just want to follow me feel free to follow me on instagram at doe identify podcast which is just my podcast name thank you all so much for listening to these two women's stories as well as listening to kelly's advice and background